Rod Brooksley, Kruger, Tom Tolver with you. Time for our weekly conversation with number 17, the Hall of Famer, Chris Mullen. Molly, what's going on? Tom, Larry, and Rod, good afternoon. What is up? How are you? Yes. Doing good, man. Doing good. Just hanging, taking it easy, and uh, man, it's going day by day, man. All, all, all is well, though. I hear you. Are you starting to do a, a few more things? You still just the same as it was a month ago? You, you getting out and doing a few, or is it just kind of you know doing the same thing over and over? Well, today's going to be my first swim in three months. Ah. So the, the pool open yet? You, you have to make like a a lane time, kind of like a tea time. <laughs> I got I got my seventh. My wife had to do slot. the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. awesome, man. Kind of looking forward to it. So that's that's something to look forward to. But uh, you know, every, everything else, man. Just uh, obviously been uh, you know a lot of stuff going on. I think you know last week or so, some enlightenment, some inspiration, some some positivity going on. Just been listening a lot to to people that know a lot more than me. Um, you know, it would be Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich. I listened to their podcast with uh, Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um, then, you know, just, just going through the news cycle with Samuel L. Jackson, you know, Michelle and Barack Obama. Um, watched a bunch of documentaries. I watched a few of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's documentaries, which are very, very informative. And, uh, you know, I think we're making, some, making you know, little baby steps. But I, I feel like, you know, people that know better than me, they think there's, there's change coming from this, and, and the change is the diversity in, in these protests, which which is good. You know, what I mean, and now we got to make sure we take action upon upon you know speaking out and, and getting getting this message. And and Rod, you Rod, I mean, you, you know um, firsthand. But the thing that strikes me is just how how long it's been, hundreds of years. And so, so I mean, and and look, like any problem. You know, whether it be addiction or whatever it might be, you gotta admit there's a problem first and foremost, and that that's where recovery starts. So s- systemic racism, all these things that are built into our culture. It's like you know when you're when you're an addict. I went through that, and one of the things that that relieved my um, stress and helped me move forward was knowing that I was predisposed to this problem. So it's there. So now we got to get people, we got to educate people to, to let them know that there is the problem, that, you know, the, the denial is over and then take the right step. So in, lis- in listening to Steve and, 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 and Greg Popovich, I, and Pop had a nice analogy to, um, you know, how, say, like in the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, drinking and driving wasn't, you know, there wasn't breathalyzers. We didn't have checkpoints. That's changed. You drink and drive, you're a pariah. Now you're going to jail. We, that did change. There's, there's a change. It took time. It took, um, you know, we had to put steps in place, and that's what we needed to, to do with policing. We need to do with education, um, health care. All those things need to be, you know, reformed. And there needs to be new, new rules so we get new outcomes. Um, the other thing, too, is I thought Steve uh, Kerr did a great job. And, and, again, getting back to the education, we need to teach the real history of our country, not not just pick and choose what we want people to hear and learn. Speak the real it, history man. of what, Absolutely. Facts, what really happened. And then yep. then you can take steps 
uh, much like the 12-step program, put steps in place that if you do this every day, you'll see change over time. Nothing's going to happen right away. Nothing's going to be perfect. But let's admit it. There's a problem. And let's put steps into place, put laws in, in, in place where, you know, a few months from now, a few years, we'll see changes. And then we can enlighten people. So, I, you know, last week or so, I've just really been, uh, you know, feeling a little better. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's tough. I, I, I equate it to the addiction parts. I went through that. So when, when you have, a, have an AA meeting, right, it, it's called sharing. And you share your experiences. And they're not all identical. But it's, you know, I've never left a meeting where I didn't feel inspired because I heard something that related to me. Now, drug of choice may change. Uh, economic background, all those things may there may be variations across the way, but something resonates where you can say, you know what, I can I can relate to this person, and that, that's what we need. We need to relate yeah. to each other and get to know each other. <laughs> you know, not not you know, look, tweeting's cool, I get all that, but then follow up with get to know that person. So anyway, yeah. I, I mean, just yeah. a little a little light. I feel like a little better than I did a week ago. Um, but we got, you know, the daily the daily work is there. Yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, Rod, I, I want to ask you real I, quick before I forget. Did I, you, I'm sure you knew so about good. it, but the uh, the uh, the Tulsa massacre. Mm-hmm. I I had no I idea. Didn't learn, that, I didn't learn about that till college. I didn't learn about it until I watched uh, a TV show on HBO called The Watchmen. Which is That's, kind of a semi-fictional show. It's like a race show. from history books. It's like Disney And it was like Black Wall books. Street. And I was like, so I'm watching yep. it. And Watchmen, it's kind of like comic book heroes and stuff. So it's they have some true stuff in there, but it's a lot of uh, obviously fictional stuff. And I was like, damn. I go, did that happen? So I actually looked at it and I go, holy crap, that that happened. And I learned about it yep. in Watchmen on HBO when I was like 50, 54 years old. I, was, I, I couldn't believe that something like that had happened that I didn't know about, and I found uh, I found out about it watching this show that has like superheroes or quasi superheroes. It's Watchmen, if you know the, the the show or the comic books. I couldn't believe that. I was I was actually blown away, Rod. That like I was like, how could that? How could that not be something? I I didn't learn. Nobody 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 told me that. How could that be? Well, how's that possible? Uh, I mean, I mean, boy, it's there's. <laughs> this is a, a, a big question and it's a big answer, but to me, it's it's pretty simple. Obviously, it's one of the ugliest chapters in American history when it comes to uh, uh, race relations, black, white, racism, what have you. And there's been a lot of those, but history is written by the victors and uh, the people that uh, are in charge of the systemic racism that is in place right now it's there for a reason they won they they were able to put it there you know with with jim crow and 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 things of that nature but you know they don't want black americans to know true black history in this country and it's not just what black people did for the advancement of black people but it's also what this country did to stop the advancement of black people they don't want us black americans to know about it and they also don't want y'all, white Americans, to know about it either because you just might start to ask some questions. Or you, or you just might start to see, hmm, this country isn't as fair as it proclaims to be. This country is not living up to its ideals as it continues to say. So it's a lot easier and it's a lot, it's, it's a lot more beneficial to the power structure to make sure 
that is, in essence, erased from history, definitely not taught in, in public schools. You have to seek it out in college. You have to take an African-American studies class in college. They don't even teach it to you in college and just regular old American history. It's easier just to make sure people don't know about it to keep the status quo. And if the status quo is it, it keep black people ignorant about that part of American history and also to keep white people ignorant about that part of American history, problem solved problem solved black history the real black history and how this country has treated black americans should be taught in every public school in this country it is not yeah mm-hmm. we we get a a the version of that that of, of this part of history in the history books is is i mean you don't you could bust out history let me take let, let me tell you how black history is taught very, let me tell you how black history is taught in, 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 in public schools Slaves came over here. Slaves were brought here. They're trying to rewrite that, too. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to say that some people did it. And this is, this is absolutely true. They tried to put in textbooks that, that some people came over here by choice, which is ridiculous. But slaves were, were brought here. They don't really tell you about how they built the country. They just tell you that they went and they worked in the cotton fields in the South. But they don't really tell you that slaves built the White House. They don't tell you that at all. They don't tell you that, 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 that black people built this country. Uh, so slaves, civil war, reconstruction, then you get a little bit about Jim Crow. Then you get a little bit about the Ku Klux Klan. Then Brown versus Board of Education. Martin Luther King shows up. Civil rights uh, bill is passed. Martin Luther King is shot. Everybody's sad about it. And we all realize that racism is bad. And then Barack Obama shows up. That's how it's taught. There's a lot of gaps in between that. There's a lot of stuff missing in between that. So, Rod, have you seen on Netflix the? Uh, it's called Thirteenth. Uh, I don't amendment. No, I have not. Oh, it's really check good. that out. Check that. Check yeah. that out. That that'll it's incredible. That's, that's really really good. It, it, it's important to watch that. So, what you're saying, Rod, is it was by design. <laughs> so it's in the system. So we have to admit that and, and, and take action. But. Yeah, um, you know, so Kareem's done some great stuff, man. Um, I watched on the shoulders of giants, which was a great. Uh, great. Basically, it's about the the, the the Harlem Renaissance, which was a you know team uh, in Harlem that uh, you know they wound up playing. It was an all black team. They they couldn't play against white teams, but they wound up playing the Celtics and beating them. And Joe Lafchick, who coincidentally coaches St. John's, um, who Coach Carnesecca always referenced almost every day at practice. Uh, was like this is the greatest team ever, and so th- that's another really cool thing to watch. It's got a sports, mm-hmm. but it's also in line with what was going on in society at that time. Um, and I watched Fists of Freedom, which was the 1968 Olympics with um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. So all the, all this mm-hmm. great information is there. It, these kids need to learn because look, it, it, it frees you. Education and, and and knowledge frees you. Like I said, like with addiction, if you learn, it's in your family. It's not, you know, it's not your fault. Learn and then take the proper steps to, to break the cycle, right? That's what I do with my kids. You know, my uncles, my father, my grandfather had this alcohol problem. I, I seek help. And, and I'm let my, my family know, talk about it. If you don't say anything, what are you going to do? So I just, I just, you know, this last week, I said, just feel a little, just a little better, just a little bit, you know? And then, and like I said, Rod, you got, we have the white man has all the work to do, and and, and it's there. The information is there. The history is there. Um, so 
anyway, that's... I, 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 I forgot where I saw the quote. I, I, I wish I could properly attribute it to the person, but the quote was, it's not black people's responsibility to teach those that want to know about systemic racism and how this country has treated black people over the years and still continues to treat them. It's not our responsibility to do it. It's your responsibility. We'll help mm-hmm. you. If you ask, we'll help you 100%. But, you know, to, to expect all of a sudden a group of people to come out and go, this is what you need to know, well, no, it, it, it doesn't work that way. But I'm with you, Chris, and it feels like we're kind of tracking on the same timeline here of, you know, the the – the emotions we, we felt over the past 10 days, two weeks, whatever it's been is, you know, I started to feel a little bit better Friday and Saturday. And, and, and this week has, has been definitely much better than last week because of all of the people who don't look like me, who are fighting for me and my kids, you know, to just, to just make it about me and personalize it is that to, to see all of these people who are not of color fighting for people who are of color and, and, and they're, you know, white people willing to have the conversation and to listen and to, to want to be a part of this instead of just saying, well, it's not my problem, so I'm not going to worry about it, or the, the, the insipid, it just doesn't exist, systemic racism. That's what, that's what makes me feel good about this because you, you finally feel like that there are people who, Hopefully it stays this way, but yeah, you know what? You're listening. You're on our side, and we need your help to pull in in the right direction. That's what makes me feel great about it. And I, I said this to, to Larry and Tommy, you know, at the end of uh, our final show last week, just to know that I could sit. We're not in the same room, but I could sit next to these guys, and and we can have conversations. But I know, and I knew even before we started talking last Monday, I knew I was going to be doing a show with two guys, who who get it. You know, that, that just makes me feel better, you know, when trying to figure out, you know, exactly what in the hell is going on in this world and which way we're going to go. Yeah. And, and you, t- you know, you think about all, all the different emotions, anger, frustration, uh, because of oppression. And the, the one thing I really – Samuel L. Jackson I thought was great. And I think I was shocked he's turning 72, I think he said. He was a pallbearer at Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral. So you're talking about a long trek, right? So if anyone could be tired and, and just, you know, worn out. But he he stated what you just said, Rod, the difference in these peaceful protests, the diversity that's there, which he thought was, you know, was different and moving in a, in a good direction. You know, Chris, I don't, I don't have the details about the coaching association that Kerr and Popovich are part of. I know it. There's pro coaches involved. I know there's some college coaches that are involved. But it seems like basketball coaches should be uniquely um, skilled in the ability to kind of lead in this, in this direction and, and, to, and open up some of the dialogue. And, and, uh, and I'm really interested to hear what Popovich has to say and what Kerr has to say about this. I mean, what do you think? You, I mean, basketball coaches obviously have been able to relate to basketball players that's part of coaching. That's part of motivating. That's part of relating. And, you know, it's not all yelling and screaming. It's, you know, sometimes you're getting to know one another. You're, you're educating. You're endearing yourself to, to, the, to the players and maybe the players to you. 
But what do you think of, of that? Of I, I saw that those guys got together and, and formed an alliance. I think they, they could be great leaders in this area. No doubt. And our biggest job as white men would be to educate other white men and, and women, right, the white race. Because, yeah, we, we probably had more exposure, uh, way more experiences, um, you know, look, through basketball. I've been all over the world, <laughs> all over the country. It exposed me to a lot of different cultures, religions, you know, to just things that I was exposed to at a young age and all through my adult life. Um, if you don't have that, you're not excluded. And, and it gets back to not learning about it. <laughs> You know, so if you're just going to pick up your, you know, just from a life experience and, and, you, and you live in a, you know, in, in a certain neighborhood, that's all you have, where are you going to learn from? So that's why it's important to get it in as early as possible in the curriculum in schools. I think that that is really, really important. Um, yeah, but Popovich, uh, the thing I listened to with Steve, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, and um Pete Carroll was really cool. A lot of it was, yeah, from their experiences, coaching, of course. Um, but we're not black men, so we're missing a part, too. We're missing it. We don't have that that experience of leaving the house and, and you know, uh, just being stressed out when your children leave the house, what's going to happen, that they might not come back. We don't have it. We didn't live with that. So we don't have that part of it. Um, so, so we all have, a you know, what we do have, we can speak out on and, and be – uh, a voice and action for positive change, for sure. No question about that. Before we let you run, let's ask you uh, about the restart of the league, and apparently some of the players have concerns. Uh, not sure exactly what all the concerns are. Some of them are about the testing, but who knows what the rest of them are. What concerns would you have? Would you have any? Would you just think, hey, if we go down there, it's going to be safe, we're going to be good to go? Would you have family concerns if your kids were young? Would you want to know how can I see them? Do I have to be a part? Especially if you're a team that's in a – you think you might go uh, deep into the playoffs, Chris. I mean, you could be there three months down in Orlando. I'm just wondering as a player, what would you want to know before you felt comfortable going down there and embarking on a chance to win a championship? Well, I think the toughest thing is, is the unknown. No one really, really knows, right? Mm-hmm. We're hearing, you know, this thing is – flaring back up in Arizona, a few other different states that, you know, either didn't close down or opened up or whatever the case may be. So just the fact that you don't know, um, you know, you know, Tommy, think back if you were, you know, 28, 30, you just had your, you know, second child and, you know, it's just, it's a different uh, set of circumstances. Um, And then to be isolated for all that time, I think it's it's going to be tough, man. It's, it, it, and that's where, you know, it's like when you go through union stuff, and we went through a few, you know, over the course of our careers, Tommy, it's, you can't fit everybody. <laughs> you know, you can't. That's why it's, it's, it's kind of consensus, right? And, you know, when you do, you know, even if you do deals, usually the best deal is when everyone's a little, a little upset, right? Or, you know, not everyone comes out happy. So everyone feels like they gave a little bit something. So, this this is with with all the unknown factors. Um, 
it's going to be stressful, I think. And, you know, so all those concerns are legitimate, you know, whatever, whatever they might be. The list, the list is individual, whether you have, you know, family uh, issues, you have family different exposures to, you know, sicknesses and things like that, pre, pre, predisposition to different uh, ailments. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, they're all legit. And then also when it gets closer and closer to actually doing it, it sounds good when it's six, six weeks away, right? That's like doing yeah, right. Easy, right? <laughs> when the time starts creeping up and you're packing your bags and you're like, I'll see you in three months. Right. Um, yeah. That, 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 uh, that's going to cause some stress and some apprehension for sure. All right. I've got to know before, uh, before you run, when you jump in that pool, are you going full speedo and goggles? <laughs> dude, I'm like, uh, dude. Okay, like, so when I started, I swam as a kid, like, in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade on the team. So I can swim, but I didn't swim for, like, 30 years. So when I got back into it, I started, like, two laps, dude. I was dead. So I, I worked my way back to a mile. But I got this crazy bag. You know, time like, when I, when I used to show to work, I had my heavy rope, my weight vest, my heavy mm-hmm. ball. I'm an apparatus guy. I'm an apparatus guy, for sure. <laughs> So I, I got my Aquaman bag. I got my fins. I got my hand fins. I got my snorkel. I got my mask. And, and I take I take it on and off. So I'm like, I look like I was ready for, you know, COVID-19 social distance before, way before with my mask and my snorkel. <laughs> I was good like, to go years ago, man. Like a Navy, Navy SEAL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, just just a seal. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I was ever fond. I, you know, I used to like any kid. I used to love going to the pool and diving board and stuff like that. But when I was like eight years old, we went camping with uh, another family, and they had uh, three, four kids. Three of them boys, and there one of them was my age. We played little league together. And then he had an older brother and an, and another older brother, and they wanted to swim across this cove. So they all were good swimmers, and they they have a pool in their backyard, so they used to swim all the time, and they were good. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look that far. I can swim across this cove and get to the other side. That'd be kind of fun. I got halfway there, and I was like dead. Body was dead, and I was like, oh man, I can't make it to the other side. I got to go back to the. And I was like right in the middle. I turned around and I was like, I just panicked. I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it back. I just, I can't make it this way. I can't make it that way. So Rodney was like trying to help me get back. And you know how when you're, when you feel like you're drowning, you're not all that sensible and you're just reaching for people and trying to grab stuff. So he didn't want to get dragged under. So he was trying to help me the best he could. And thank God a boat actually came zooming up. There was a boat in the cove that came and got me, picked me up, took me, took me to shore and they kept swimming and they swam up and back. And I got back, and of course, my dad. I love my dad. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> he looks at me, and the first thing he says is, "Not a you are right." He goes, "What the hell are you doing? You know you can't swim." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? I wish you'd have told me that beforehand. That would have, have, have saved me a, a, a lot of panic because that—that's like the worst feeling in the world, like being in the middle of the water and knowing that you you, you can't go anywhere because your body's dead and you can't you can't swim. So after that, Chris, it was pretty much." Shallow end pool for me, and uh, open open water is one of my biggest fears. I just say just that I can't I can't even think about open water. It's too much for me. So, yeah, if I can touch the bottom, I'm good, Chris. Other than that, not so much. Have you seen the um, Bruce Lee doc? Yes, love it. Yeah. 
Love be water, my friend. Be be water, my friend. Well, if I would have been water, I wouldn't have worried about going under then. (laughs) Unfortunately, I was almost water. Yeah. (laughs) And not in a good way. Hey, man, we always appreciate the – yeah, go ahead. Like I said before, uh, there's going to be the younger generation got to Google this. You guys would know. So, like, the last swim team I was on, I was probably, I'm going to say 1970, so I was, like, 13 maybe. And our uniform – which would be totally unacceptable right now. They'd probably get arrested for it. But it was the Mark Spitz Speedo, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. With stars and stripes on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. That's you have a picture of that. Maybe if you have a picture of that, make sure you pass it Yeah, send along. us a I'd picture. Lo- I'd, I'd enjoy it. I'd, I'd enjoy seeing that. Right. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you a picture and I'll burn it right after. <laughs> this picture will self-destruct in 15 oh, seconds. Man. <laughs> uh, hey, tell Liz and the family we said hi. Right, and man. It's always fun talking to you, Molly. Take care. See you guys. Right, right. Have a good one, man. See you guys. Right, Thank there you, you go. The Hall of Famer.